Hello and welcome to Quilter Cheviot's Markets Uncut podcast, your weekly insight into the topics and issues that we have been discussing here at Quilter Cheviot. My name is David Henry, Investment Manager, and I'm joined by the firm's podcast stalwart, Richard Carter, Head of Fixed Interests. Good morning to you, Richard. Morning. It was another strong week for stock markets with the S&P hitting all-time highs on several occasions during last week. A year of strong returns and, frankly, really unusually low volatility continues unabated. However, the fundamentals do remain good. We are just beginning to come out the other side of the Q3 earnings season and companies continue to perform. Average earnings growth within the US market over the preceding 12 months, Q3 to Q3, was around 37% growth, albeit you do have to bear in mind that's coming from a low base for corporate profits during the pandemic last year. However, of greater interest, I think, is the number of companies who are beating analysts' prior expectations of their results, around 82%. This is a historically high number, and uh, probably it's been one of the times that actually companies have beaten quite high expectations, frankly. So valuations relative to history may be high for markets, but the majority of companies continue to perform exceed expectations and grow into the valuations that the market has attributed to them. It's also been a busy week for central bank reporting. We heard from the Federal Reserve on Wednesday last week who decided to leave rates where they were, but did begin to taper asset purchases to reduce economic stimulus. Similarly, the Bank of England, despite earlier reports, decided to leave interest rates where they were at 0.1% although there were two dissenting members of the Monetary Policy Committee who voted to raise interest rates. So overall, no change for the time being, despite what was being suggested by the media beforehand. Richards, now we're now at the stage where over 92% of the UK adult population is vaccinated. Unemployment is falling. Economic growth is expected to be over 4% next year, and inflation is expected to print at over 5% before the end of the year. Can you explain to me why the Bank of England aren't raising interest rates? Well, like you said, we all thought they were going to because they practically told us that was probably what was going to happen. They had uh, ample opportunity to sort of push back against those expectations and and never did. So we saw this, uh, we've seen this sort of crazy round trip in bond markets over the last um, uh, few weeks. I mean, I, I guess the reason they didn't uh, is they obviously got a little, I think they got a little bit scared about what the impact of them raising rates might be. You know, you've got consumers under pressure anyway with rising energy costs you've got supply chain problems as well and maybe they thought well you know we're not going to solve these problems by raising interest rates so maybe we should hold off i think there's there's also an element that they've got the um you know the furlough scheme has come to an end recently and they want to wait and see what the um employment numbers are like post that because they've got this you know obviously concern that you see a bit of a rise in in unemployment but um it was it was a bit it was a bit crazy. It's back to the sort of unreliable boyfriend or the sort of you know grand grand old Duke of York in, in Threadneedle Street. Um, but I think you know at some point they probably will have to raise interest rates for the reasons you said. You know the economy is recovering, um, inflation's picking up, and and 
whilst sort of supply chain problems won't be solved by uh, uh, you know rising interest rates you know they might they might have a problem with credibility if they're not careful um you also got wages going up so i think there there will be a, a rate hike at some point but you know from now on everyone's going to sort of take their statements with a massive pinch of salt because we've been uh, you know we've sort of been fooled once already by them yeah it's a strange one because communication generally over the last 10 years from central banks seems to have been generally getting better and forward guidance was something that was introduced to try and signpost these things for the market so it's rare that rare that you see a decision go the other way almost isn't it still it, it is because they're trying not to shock markets I, i'd compare them with the 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 not favorably with the fed uh i mean people can say oh well the fed should be raising rates and there's too much liquidity and all the rest of it that's that's perfectly fine but the their, their, um, the way they've guided, you know, we had the tapering announcement last week. There was no reaction to that. We've been we've been anticipating that for six months, you know, and it's been, uh, and now the, the debate will move on to when they're going to raise interest rates. But probably by the time they do that, we'd have been long since prepared. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is, maybe it's, it's tough for them, but if you look at what European Central Bank and the Fed do, they they really do kind of give uh, investors ample warning of these of these sort of changes in stance, and the Bank of England uh, singularly failed to do that. Mm. So governments around the world, as we know, are running historically high levels of debt at the moment. As such, I suppose there's an incentive. It makes sense to keep interest rates and borrowing costs therefore low. Do you think there's a possibility that the Bank of England and, and other developed central banks, developed markets, central banks allow inflation to run above target for an extended time without materially raising interest rates? Uh, y- yes, definitely. I mean, how, how far they'll let inflation go, I would question. I think they will be still, as I say, still wanting to retain credibility and they won't want to see inflation go up. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have a CPI number in the states this week of around five point five six percent. You know, they won't want to see those sorts of inflation levels. I think if you've got two and a half three percent inflation, they might kind of be reasonably relaxed about that. Um, you know, because as you say, they don't want you know raising interest rates aggressively now when there's so much debt in the system is only going to cause a recession. So, yeah, I think they they will they will sort of. Um, err on the side of caution when it comes to raising rates but and and that's and that's probably good for markets but at the end of the day um you know if if you were to see wage expectations go up quite substantially i think at that point they might they might have to jump in yeah wage expectations that's the sticky element of inflation right yeah, it is. I mean, there's no, you know, it's all very well, you know, oil price goes up and, uh, and all the rest of it. That's not really, uh, you know, that's not kind of self-fulfilling inflation. That's that's going to sort itself out. And it's kind of a tax on, on consumers, really. That's going to slow the economy in some ways. It's when you're seeing sort of 5% wage rises across the board, you've really got a kind of self-fulfilling uh, inflation problem. And that, that's not something with inflation targets that they can they can accept. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth, when I'm speaking to clients about this topic, bearing in mind where we were 18 months ago, and the world looked an awfully more scary place in March of last year. And given the response that we've had, I think we would have taken a bit of higher inflation coming out the other end. So it is, of course, a little bit of a concern. But for clients, for people that have investments in real assets, equities are generally thought of as offering good protection against inflation, given that the best companies who sell things, 
that either people need or they desperately want can pass on rising costs to their customers. Looking at the numbers there earlier this morning, UK equity markets have generated positive annualised returns in every full decade since the 1950s, but real returns, i.e. those that are adjusted for inflation, were negative in the 2000s and the 1970s. <clears throat> the 1970s typically thought of as a, as a lost decade for investors. Are there similarities today at all in terms of the economic landscape to say the 70s or is it a very, very different world? Well, I mean, judging what central bankers would say, they and, and I think Bailey said this last week, that we're not going back to the 70s, and that's a different thing. I mean, you had, um, I was looking at the numbers this morning, I think you had uh, 25% inflation and 15% interest rates. And, and I think, you know, the issue is we've got kind of, used to very low inflation so suddenly we're back to sort of four or five percent people are sort of now saying this is like 1970s all over again i don't think that's a you know probably a mistake and, and we're a long way from those sorts of levels um i mean just sort of one factor you had very strong unionization back in the 1970s which was pushing wages up now you haven't got that and also you've got you know um, an element of globalization and technology, which is probably likely to dampen wages over time. So I don't think we're we're going back to those levels um, by any means. You have got rising energy costs, which which is a perhaps a comparison. But as I say, you know, if if we're if we're worried about central banks raising rates, we're kind of worried about them raising rates to two percent or something. You know, yeah. not not to not to sort of ten plus percent. That that seems a long way off. Mm-hmm. Berlin, thank you. Um, so turning to the coming week or the week that we're in, uh, the COP summit is, of course, due to conclude. Um, however, are there any other notable events that you think we should be keeping an eye out for and respect the markets? Yeah, I mean, the COP one gets a lot of headlines in the press, you know, rightly so, and it's a very important thing. But I, th- I guess with a sort of short-term impact on markets, it doesn't really make huge difference. There's obviously the whole uh, topic of ESG investing, but that's, you know, a sort of longer-term trend. So, uh, you know, d- day-to-day pronouncements from COP doesn't really move markets, you know, much. Uh, I mean, I guess the main thing next week is, or this week is, um, you know, more inflation numbers coming out in the States. So it's back to the same old topic, you know, CPI could hit almost 6%, which, um, you know, it's just amazing how resilient uh, markets have been. You know, you mentioned it, you know, they're doing, they've done really well, despite the fact we've had um, such a sharp rise in inflation. That, as I say, that goes back to what you said about earnings and also uh, dovish central banks. So that'll be the main thing this week. But, you know, the Fed, you know, they, they've moved to take the tapering phase, um, they could speed that up potentially, but that's not going to happen until probably January at the earliest. Um, the next thing will be when are they raising rates? And and this this week's CPI report is not going to affect that, so I, I don't think it's going to be such a such a big deal. Brilliant, thank you, Richard, for your thoughts as ever. Uh, before we leave you today, I've got a couple of events to shamelessly plug that are upcoming um, during this month. Joe Fairley, co-founder of Green and Black's Chocolate, will be hosting our three-part webinar series called Conversations That Matter as part of our Women and Investing initiative. Our experts will discuss the importance of having those sometimes difficult financial conversations to ensure that your family's wealth is preserved, as well as discussing why not all risk is bad. Monday, the 15th of November, also sees the return of our award-winning Paraplanner Week, 8 to 9 a.m. each morning. 
Our guest speakers will be covering current key topics as well as looking into the sectors they believe will be impacting portfolios in the coming years. And finally, our bi-weekly live research analyst webinar series, Getting Back to the Future, continues next Tuesday, the 16th of November, with the topic up for discussion, small but mighty. Join us as our analysts discuss the benefits of small cap investment, as well as the growth of private companies and the opportunities there over the past decade. One not to be missed, that one. You can visit our website to view the full schedule and reserve your places for all of these events. And for anyone who wants to watch them but misses them, you can watch all past episodes on demand on the website as well. In the meantime, to stay up to date with our thoughts on markets and issues, you can subscribe to our weekly comment newsletter by visiting quilterchiviat.com. And for those of you on social media, you will be able to see up-to-date content from the team here on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn pages. All that remains for me this morning is to thank Richard for his time and you for listening. We will see you next week at the same time.